Good morning. Today is Monday, June 14th, 2021. One of the very valuable lessons I have learned in my life is that there are two kinds of problems. There are solvable problems and there are unsolvable problems. Now, solvable problems can be very challenging. They can be very painful. And it could very well be that they will not be solved. But that type of a problem is nothing like an unsolvable problem. A problem where no matter how hard you try, no matter how disastrous the consequences, you simply cannot solve it. Those are the kinds of problems that keep me up at night. In our Parsha, Moshe does something wrong. God sends Moshe to speak to a rock to provide water for the people because they are thirsty. Moshe does not do it properly. And God responds by saying to Moshe, that he will not be able to enter the land of Israel, an almost unbearable punishment. Moshe's whole life was devoted to being able to reach Israel, and he is told by God that he will not do so. So the commentators discuss what exactly did Moshe do wrong in this incident, and I've shared with you before several approaches to this. He lost his temper when he said the words, Shimu Nahamorim, listen, you rebellious people, don't you think God will provide water for you? Or perhaps it was that he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. That made it appear as if the water was coming as a result of Moshe's action, not directly from God even though it is true that this incident is the second time this happens in the Torah, earlier in the Torah, God had said to Moshe to hit the rock and Moshe hit the rock and water came forth. Maybe it was understandable or at least possible to comprehend that Moshe made this mistake of thinking, because God here also said, take your staff. If God tells him to take his staff, maybe that means to hit the rock like I did before. But what is even more difficult to understand is how is it that Moshe loses control at this moment? As I just mentioned, he has faced this problem before. Before in the Torah, earlier in the Torah, people were faced either with water they could not drink or no water at all. And Moshe was able to handle that situation effectively. Here we are at the end of 40 years in the desert and Moshe loses his temper. He loses control. How is this so much worse than everything else that's come before? And especially because of what I mentioned at the outset. This is an solvable problem. God said to Moshe, take your staff, speak to the rock, and the rock will issue forth water. God told Moshe how to do this. 
And then immediately after, before anything happens, Moshe says, Shimu Nahamorim, listen, you rebellious people, why don't you have faith in God? But why did Moshe get so angry? He had the solution. God told him what to do. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs suggests that this narrative follows a narrative in the verse before. This passage begins with the following verse. We're near the end of 40 years in the desert. And the entire Jewish people reached the desert of Tzin. And the people were dwelling in a place called Kadesh. Vatamas Sham Miriam, and Miriam died there, the sister of Moshe, Vatika Versham, and she was buried there. Immediately the next verse begins, the people had no water, and they began to complain to Moshe, we're going to die here in the desert without water. What had happened immediately before Moshe loses control in this situation that apparently he should have been able to control? Our rabbis in the Medrash suggest one approach, which we've discussed before. But Rabbi Sachs says very simply, his sister died. His sister died, and the next verse, Moshe is not able to handle the problem of no water. Moshe was not only grieving over the loss of an older sibling, Miriam was the oldest child in the family, but the emotional attachment between the two of them was much, much deeper Remember that Miriam had literally saved Moshe's life by watching him as a baby placed in a basket in the river, watching over him to make sure that he would be safe. And then when the daughter of Paro finds him, it is Miriam who intercedes to arrange that Moshe's own biological mother, Yocheved, would be the one to help raise this child so that not only would he be safe, but he would also have his sense of Jewish identity. Miriam is the one who gave Moshe his security, his identity, and even more than that. Our rabbis say that Moshe owed Miriam his actual existence. Our rabbis in the Medrash say that when Paro decreed that all Jewish babies that are born would be killed, Nebuch, God forbid, Yocheved and Amram, were the parents of Miriam and Aharon, their two children. They decided, Yocheved and Amram decided to separate. Why should we bring another child into the world? If it's a boy, God forbid the boy will be killed by Paro. And Miriam, their daughter, little girl Miriam, came to them and said, 
What you're doing is worse than what Paro is doing. Paro is only decreeing against the baby boys. You're making a decree that will prevent the birth of boys and girls. And they listened to her. And they came back together. And shortly later, Moshe was born. And because of Miriam, he did survive. Moshe owed his very existence to Miriam. And when she died, he lost the person that was the foundation of his life. And when we are bereaved, God forbid, we lose control. We find that we are angry when the situation calls for calm. We find that we hit when we should speak. And we find that we speak when we should be silent. It's as if we're only half listening to the words that are being said around us. We hear the words, but they don't really enter into our mind. A number of years ago, I was officiating at a funeral and a woman who had just suffered this terrible loss and it was a very emotional situation and this woman is standing next to me. And she looks around at the people around the graveside. And she said to me, you know, we're all actors in a play. None of this is real, is it? But that's what happens when we suffer a terrible loss. And it can be the loss of death, God forbid, and there are commonalities to other losses. The loss of a spouse through divorce. The loss of a job. The loss of self-respect. All kinds of losses have commonalities in the effect that it plays upon us. Our rabbis tell us that the Shekhinah, God's presence, cannot dwell within us when we are in a state of grief. Moshe standing beside this rock was not just the greatest prophet who ever lived and who ever will live. He was also a man who had lost his sister and he was not fully in control. And that's the reason that our Parsha begins with the narrative of the mitzvah of Para Aduma, the red cow. It's a surreal, mysterious, esoteric ritual that the Jewish people are commanded at the beginning of our Parsha. It involves an offering and then the ashes of this animal are mixed with water and other things. And a person who has suffered a loss, a person who has come into contact with death, the Kohen sprinkles this on that person. That's the order of our Parsha. Paraduma, the death of Miriam, Moshe beside the rock. And this order of narratives 
is meant to convey one of the fundamental lessons that Judaism has to teach, and that is that death defiles us. It causes us to become ritually impure. That does not mean hygienically impure or unclean. We may look on the surface exactly the same as before we have suffered this grievous loss. But the Torah is teaching us through the need to have to have this unusual ceremony that we are changed when we come into contact with death, God forbid. We are not the same. It affects us in ways that we cannot predict and in ways that we often do not recognize. So while the mitzvah of Paraduma gives us a mechanism to overcome this spiritual change of becoming ritually impure, even though we do not have that part of it today, the underlying lesson of Paraduma that one who has suffered a terrible loss, God forbid, and has come into contact with death, is changed, is different. The emotional truth of that is with us. And our rabbis responded to that emotional truth and the underlying concept of what Paraduma wants to teach us. And they told us to respond with sitting Shiva. What does it mean to sit Shiva? It means don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't make any major decisions. Because you are not the same when you have suffered a terrible loss, God forbid. And you will only emerge from this slowly and gradually, stage by stage, step by step, the first week, the first month, the first year. We are changed, even if we don't see it, especially if we don't see it. And so it is with tremendous subtlety, but also tremendous wisdom that the Torah in our Parsha weaves together law and narrative, the mitzvah, the law of Paraduma first, and then Miriam dies. And we see the effect of Miriam's death on Moshe that for a moment he loses control standing beside the rock. And Moshe and Aharon, his brother, are reminded that they too are mortal. They too will one day pass away. They too will not be able to enter the land of Israel. Allow me to give you an analogy to express this concept. One of the effects when a person drinks a lot of alcohol is that their reflexes are inhibited. But the other effect is, very often a person feels that their reflexes are not inhibited. Very often a person may feel, of course I can drive. A person doesn't recognize within themselves 
that their reflexes are inhibited and that it would be dangerous to themselves and others to drive while under this influence. That's the effect that it has, that it clouds our perception that we don't see how affected that we are in a very, very different manner, but with the same mechanism. That's how grief works. It affects us profoundly. And part of the effect is that we don't see that it affects us all the time. We don't recognize how inhibited our decision-making is, our judgment may be. And that's why we need to be taught by the Torah. That's why the Torah has this mitzvah, followed by this narrative, followed by the second narrative, and this very human response of Moshe to the death of his sister. Why does the Torah want to teach us this? Because this is how we are to learn how we are affected by grief, especially when we don't think we're affected. And this is a very practical lesson for anyone going through grief or trauma or transition. We are affected. And that's why we need to remind ourselves, even especially if we don't recognize it within ourselves, not to make major decisions right away. We need to be understanding of another person who is going through this, who may say something unreasonable. Because that's what death is. It changes us. It affects us. And the first step to dealing with it is to recognize how profound the effects are, especially if we don't recognize them within ourselves. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.